0: Welcome to The Christian Contrast. This is a podcast where we talk about how the gospel of Jesus leads us to live differently than the culture around us. As always, I'm here with Garrett, and this week we're also joined by Lori Baez. Hello. Um, We're going to be talking more. We're continuing this series where we're talking about sexuality and specifically about how within churches like ours, we have a healthy conversation about sexuality. We're talking about it appropriately from up front. We're creating space for conversations about it. And the subject that we most want to talk about today is the fact that when it comes to sex, there tends to be a lot of shame associated with it. And uh, there's even things that in our culture right now where there's a big move about the whole idea of slut-shaming. And mm-hmm. so th- this is a, a term where in our culture, the whole idea of shame is associated with sex, and we're trying to figure out what to do with that. And we want to talk about how within our churches, we have a unique tool to deal with the idea of shame. Um, and also, about how we try to live that out in practical ways, um, and so Lori, and one of the things we're excited about you bringing to the table is you representing all womankind.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No pressure, no, no pressure, pressure at all. But
0: speak for all women. <laughs> it, but but in seriousness, to recognize that when it comes to this, this does tend to be very different between men and women. Uh,
1: yeah, and, yeah. And so it's
0: helpful to talk about it and, and to figure out what what are we missing from each other, and specifically, what are guys like me and Garrett missing from? a more female, more typical female perspective and experience when it comes to shame associated with sex?
1: Well, I, I think for females in general, I mean, um, one, if you are being brought up, whether it's in a se- secular situation or in a Christian situation, I think a lot of times females are told, don't have sex, Period. Like there, there isn't any explanation or um, any sort of parameters. It's just don't and it's bad. But I think also there's a dynamic of, for men... It's like a notch on their belt, right? Right. It's another mark like, yeah. But for females, um, talking about slut shaming, I mean, how many derogatory terms are there um, when it is around women? But you don't hear that associated with men. And yet it takes two people to um, engage in that. And so there is a lot more negative connotation for females that sort of let that happen or gave in than it is for For men who are just trying to get what they desire.
2: Do you see that that kind of inequality, kind of uh, from the cultural perspective, coming into the church and the way that we talk to to men and women about it, or the way that a man and woman might experience something differently around sexuality while they attend church?
1: Well, um, I think in several ways, it's probably very intentional. I mean, unintentional, Um, and it's geared towards a way that is trying to be positive about the parameters that you're putting on um, men and women, whether they're young or when they're getting older. But um, for females, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things about the way you dress, the way you behave, the way um, that places you as the responsible factor in kind of um, uh, unspoken way. Mm. do you know what I'm saying?
2: Well as men we probably don't get that,
0: but <laughs> yeah. you could share with us yeah well, well but the idea of like all right, so if there's been a failure if there's this couple that's you know that's not married and they fall into sexual sin and they start having sex with each other, that feeling like sort of the the bulk of the blame tends to be felt more by the woman because it's like you were supposed to hold him at bay. you were supposed to make sure this didn't happen
1: right, right. You know, because men are more visual. There's all of those things um, that—so women are the ones that are supposed to kind of take the the line in the sand, I think. Even though it definitely is both parties' responsibility, um, I think in general there's just more of an assumption that it's on the female than it is on the male in the roles there.
2: Even after the sin, is there— St- different feelings of shame felt by men and women or a more difficult um ability to embrace god's forgiveness in those
1: areas um probably i mean i i would think so i i can't speak for the the male portion half the portion, population, uh, half the population. <laughs> you can only speak
0: for half yeah, of the yeah and there's
1: there's probably people females listening to this that are like she's wrong <laughs> um but from my perspective anyways um i think that it, it's something that, okay, so if you have premarital sex, then what? Like every time the church brings it up and there's a conversation, it's like, okay, I already did that. I already made that mistake. Now what do I do? Um, and, uh, also uh, I think there is a great room for information to be shared about, um, what was really lost. Was it just because you were weak No, it's because there was a greater plan that God had for your life that that part of that gift has been given away and can't be gained. But then you have to heal from that. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's an important conversation about this. That's a sin that kind of is a stigma that sticks with you, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, You could have done that 20, 30 years ago, and yet you're like, yeah, I'm the one that didn't didn't hold out, and now I'm a Christian pursuing my life, and it, it still is something that's with me because sometimes I believe that females um, they've repented, but to really live in God's grace, that's a whole other hard thing because it still is yeah. marked as a failure for you.
0: Well, and maybe I mean because because you brought up at least two, I think, really significant things that we can talk about in this episode, and um, the first one that I, I don't want us to skip by, you talked about the whole idea that. Um, we can. We, we're wanting to in a in a culture where the Christian sexual ethic is definitely not something you can assume for the general population. Absolutely. You know, it's like, all right, we do want to talk about it. We want to be clear about it. We want to be clear about the idea that sex is something for marriage. but you brought up the whole idea that the why is not always very clear. And so you can end up with, I have this vague idea of shame because I know I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Um, but I think there's even there's a difference between shame and regret. So it's like you might have shame without even necessarily having to regret because you don't know what's lost. right. So So maybe we could just spend a few minutes talking about you know biblically and, and even in our our interactions with with people and in, in our in our own stories with this, the idea of what is it? You know, as, as we're talking, we, we all have kids who are still in the home, as we're talking to our kids, what is what is the heart behind us wanting them to wait? And I'll just start by saying, you know, for for me, one of the things that that's a big part of my heart for wanting my boys to save sex towards marriage is, first of all, for wanting them to have the unique experience that there's one woman that they're giving themselves away to. Um, you know, that there's kind of a joke that if you get two virgins, like two Christians that stay <laughs> virgins till they get married, and you've been telling them the whole time the honeymoon's going to be great, it's probably not. Like, it's probably going to be awkward. You got two people that don't know what they're doing. And so, but but one of the beautiful things that can happen is when you have that safety and commitment to each other, you can have the failures. I mean, Karina and I still joke about different times where I read something that if I do something, it will be really great for her. And it did not go great. It was like, what are you doing? I, I thought this was a thing. And, but but it's something that because this is something that uniquely we share that there's more room for there not to be this this deep shame for me over that. So so part of it is that and also part of it is that I I know like I I've talked to friends um and this isn't the case with everyone but I've talked to friends who have said um I I only had sex with my wife. We had sex before we were married but but it was like just with each other and still talking about how within marriage There were trust issues. There was difficulty because you're still dealing with the idea that even before being husband and wife, your brother and sister in Christ, you sinned against each other. You let each other into sin. You compromised yourself. The, The woman might be thinking, well, can I trust this guy? Can I trust him to be faithful to me when he wasn't following God's lead here? So I think, you know, at least two of the things that I'd want to say to my sons and to young people is, first of all... You're missing out on the joy of getting to have this be a unique thing between right. the husband and wife. And secondly, you're you're importing trust issues into the marriage. That that there's going to be enough. There's going to be enough trust problems in marriage. There always are. Yeah. You don't need one more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think I would say, say something, something similar.
2: You know, we talk a lot about you know how marriage is to make us, make us better people and more like Christ, Christ not to make us, make us happy. And mm-hmm. in that that process mm-hmm. is a challenge. You know, you're you're being um, molded by God, you know, you're being broken and rebuilt and your spouse is helping you because of how difficult it is to sacrifice, you know, and, and because that process can be so transformative and so difficult, kind of adding a lot of these issues, premarital sex, um, either makes that take longer or makes that become a lot more of the focus that, that God ever wanted you to have to deal with. He wanted you to be, to be holy and to be used by him and to affect the world as a couple um, and yet spinning a, you know a lot of your energy and time working through um, some of those issues that came up in premarital sex is really going to um, take over, maybe what God has you know planned for you. And, and I think that um, you know, a lot of ways you can sum it up it's like it's marriage is difficult enough as it is, difficult enough. Is, difficult <laughs> enough. Yeah. adding some of those things that I think you can, you know, in the same way that people like to have you know, invest in premarital counseling and they hope and intend that to make their marriage stronger, the things you do with someone while you're a teenager who may never be your spouse, uh, but the things that you not do will also help your marriage in the long run.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think that's just a really important voice to have to people that are young right now. I mean, yeah. um, I have a 13-year-old and a sev- 17-year-old. And even if we're not talking about the sexual issue, I find that at this stage of the game, the I told you so isn't so effective anymore. Right. There has to be the why and the edu- education about I'm not just blatantly making this rule up because I want to deprive you of something um I'm, I have this rule because these are the reasons and the things that you lose when you engage in a multitude of different things. Mm-hmm. And one of those is sex, you know. So I, I just feel like that why is a really big, important message. Um, and I think in that message, the why also helps take away shame from sex, um, maybe I'm wrong in that, but I mm. feel like when you, when you understand, it then doesn't take the connotation that sex is bad. Mm-hmm. It, right. It's that right. sex at it, it, it certain times is not appropriate, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, because if the shame is really vague just because it it's associated with sex, I'm not supposed to do this. Mom and dad told me not to. The pastor told me not to. The Bible right. tells me not to. I'm not really sure why in the world, right. and it seems kind of archaic in our culture right now. So I have vague shame. I have no idea what was lost. Right. And so I, I agree. I just think, you know, in sermons and teachings and parent conversations and youth leader conversations, as you're saying, Lord, the why is important. And I think another thing that you brought up that is so huge is talking about um, we we do. I, I think of our young people. I'm like, I want all of them to wait for marriage. You know, I, I want... I want everybody in our church never to sin at all. Like that, you know that right. sort of like that. That's the goal for for ourselves. We're like, I I don't want to do anything that I'm going to regret and mm-hmm. and and all of that. But we do recognize the reality that there's sin in all kinds of areas, and we need to at least acknowledge the the reality that a lot of people, most of the people that we're going to be interacting with, are going to have some sexual failures. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, not. Sadly, not many Christians are, are waiting or saving sex for marriage. And so just dealing within that reality, a, as you said, Lori, we can, we can continue to talk about in helpful ways why sex is reserved for marriage. But we also then have to have a follow-up for the person that's saying, well, it's too late. I can't go back. Right. There's no like virgin replacement sur- Like there's nothing I can do about my yeah. past. What do I do now as somebody who's sitting here saying, I didn't wait or I didn't save myself. What is there for me? I, I don't I know, know if the church spends, spends enough time talking about that. Uh, I've seen, seen promotions and seen conference schedules for like marriage, marriage conferences, conferences, you know, and it's, and it's like, like it's always the here and now and in the future. future. It's, it's like how, how to communicate, communicate better. It's even like might even be like sex talk, like how to enjoy sex, talk, like how how to enjoy sex
2: fully. But what, what about, about all of the things that they're still carrying? And it's such a difficult thing to talk about. And something that culture says you don't even need to talk about the things that your spouse did before you were married. I That's them. You should forgive, forgive them and, and, and never deal with that. So and a, they have yeah, these things probably, probably, I wouldn't say unspoken, unspoken and dealt with. I, I think they probably come up a lot and, in and difficult and painful situations. But is, is the Christian, Christian marriage talk, teaching, teaching conference, conference, curriculum going, going to help them walk through um, not, just not just the, the shame, shame but, but the pain done, done
0: to them by the things the thing their spouse did before
2: they even knew that? I don't often see that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I and and i think that the premise of the unspoken, not that people actually say this, but the premise of the unspoken is that doesn't matter, Mm -hmm, right? Just mm -hmm. like you, you had said, um, where there are elements that play into it. And maybe the reason why you're signing up for the, how to fully enjoy sex in marriage is because there are these underlying issues that haven't been dealt with that then aren't talked about. Um, and that again, I think the more people think that they're, alone in something, or they don't understand something, or it shouldn't matter, but it feels like it matters to me, is where shame comes in. Because you're like, I clearly I'm the only one that feels this right. way, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, shame can be very isolating right? way. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that uh, that happens a lot of times, because it's like, well, when I've been told it's bad, um, and so I've done it, but I don't want to admit that I've done it, Right. <laughs> and then, two, it's affecting me in this way, but I've been told that it doesn't matter anymore or shouldn't so, yeah. or it shouldn't matter, so there must just be something really wrong with me
0: hmm. yeah, and you would think and and this is where I think it and and in some ways inescapably, but probably in some ways that that we can deal with, sex does we we do experience the 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 implications of sexual sin differently than a lot of other things, where you know if you said to somebody you know Line is wrong. And they're like, oh, when I was five, I lied. They're probably not going to feel like, and that's it. Like, that's all there is. Right. Yes. Um, whereas because there is, you know, and, and, and this is part of maybe the, the conversation is to say um, purity has got to encompass more than just virginity. Um, because there are people who are sort of like technically virgins who are doing all kinds of things, and whether it's pornography or whether it's oral sex, and they're like, that doesn't count. You know, So it's like, man, you can be living very impure and still technically be a virgin, and you could also have somebody that's fallen, that's given away their virginity, but is now living in utter purity right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we get into the idea of it being sort of binary, like, hey, you're either pure or you're not— we got to acknowledge we all, like, we all have a mix of this. We all, like, there's n- there's no virgin in the United States or in the world that doesn't have some level of sexual impurity that's happened, you know, with their thoughts, with their actions, with their eyes, something. Right. And so I think part of the difficulty is when we're saying you either save sex for marriage or you didn't. It's like, well, that's true. But we're all looking to live pure day by day. We're all looking to say, what is God calling me to do today? And there are failures of the past, and we do have shame, and uh, I think some level of shame, regret, sadness over our failures of the past, but that doesn't then have to identify us at the core level of who we are and about what God holds for our future. I think think that's that's a good point. point. I I think think maybe maybe, maybe you can speak speak to this. It's it's even theologically theologically kind of complex complex, because because you you have have the
2: the, the shame shame that that, that you've mentioned that's a good good natural part part of, of uh, repentance, of repentance and understanding, understanding who, who Jesus is, is and in the gospel message, message, but how do we, how do we move out, out of that and into acceptance and maybe we'll get stuck in the shame because just of because of our sin, sin nature, nature, you know, know? Yeah, and I, I think, think that, that, you know, in the, the same sense, sense that sometimes sins are small, small and, and, are, and it's, it's up, up to us and don't affect us, you know, and, and we're able to forgive, accept the forgiveness and sometimes they stick longer and there's consequences, I think so my question to you is, is theologically, is, is theologically what, what, what is a healthy, healthy perspective of both, of both the purity aspect and the way we of, engage
0: shame and move, move that shame to forgiveness and, and living like like the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, a life that yeah, You're setting me you. up perfectly. <laughs> and I'll talk about this a little bit, and then I want us, uh, all three of us, just to be able to talk real practically, like real, you, you know, just kind of like feet on the ground, how do we handle this? But say, you know, so we're living in a culture where at least one of the strong voices out there is the whole idea of we are going to eradicate shame. Um, you know, so, so the whole you know, slut shame, hey, that's slut shaming, you stop that right now. Hey, that's fat shaming, you stop that right now. Anything that you're doing that would bring shame on another person, you stop that right now. Um, so that's part of what we're combating. So when we look to scripture, we can go in with that mindset of like, shame is never something that's supposed to be part of the grid. But there's a number of passages and a number of passages in the New Testament 1 Corinthians chapter six, Paul is talking to the Corinthians about the fact that they're taking one another to court instead of settling their differences as Christians. And he says, I say this to your shame. Mm. There's other passages. In first Peter, Peter talks about the whole idea that we want to live such godly lives that the people who are speaking maliciously against us are ashamed. So there is, there's categories, there's several others um, passages that talk about the same thing. He talks about it in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse four. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter three, verse fourteen, about the idea. So there is shame is not something that biblically speaking is just well it's bad get rid of it. It it is bad. Nobody likes shame, but shame is inappropriate. the The way that I would put it is. Shame is an appropriate step along the way to repentance. It's hard to repent of anything if you don't, have, if you don't think you've done anything wrong, <laughs> if you don't think that there's anything to be ashamed of in that sense. And at the same time, you also have biblically the idea that there's misplaced shame. And so, you know, you have the Apostle Paul saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, which I think implies the idea that some people want him to be. He says to Timothy, don't be ashamed of me because I'm in prison. So we, we have real shame, appropriate shame. We have misplaced shame, and I think the core of it is looking at it and saying, all right, all of us as believers, we have shame. Some of it is shame that we never should have had somebody else put on us, and God wants to lead us to, to renounce that shame we never should have had it. And then there's other shame that we should have, but we're not meant to carry with us perpetually. And this is, this is where I think, as Christians, we have, we have the greatest answer to this. The culture is saying, you don't have to be ashamed because we're just gonna tell you you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Biblically, the message is you did do something wrong. There's probably more wrong than you even thought it was. There's probably other things that you did wrong that you're not even aware of. And the God of the universe sent his son to bear your shame so that you're wiped clean and welcomed into the family forever. You are loved by God, not because you never did anything shameful, but because despite the fact that you did all kinds of things that are shameful, you are covered. You are now wearing the white robe of the righteousness of Jesus that you didn't earn. think like, we we want to get people to the point that shame is not the cloud over their lives and that doesn't come through avoiding shame that comes through acknowledging it coming face to face which some people are already there some people already know they have shame Mm -hmm. some people sadly need to be sort of convinced you do need to have shame you should be embarrassed you should feel bad about these things that you've done and then the great liberation can come because that shame died on the cross Mm -hmm. past present and future the the sins that i commit tomorrow that bring new shame on me, those were covered by the cross of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Hmm. And so talking about that, if that's that's the shorthand of what we want, how do we help in all realms, but especially in the sexual realm, through conversations with people within the church to help create an atmosphere where we're helping people that don't have shame to appropriately come to grips with it, And then we're also helping people that are weighed down by shame experience that liberation.
1: Yeah, I I feel like, on the one hand, for the one that is completely weighed down by shame, um, I think there is the talk about, like, you've already been forgiven for this. Now you need to embrace what God has fully ha- has for you. Because if you're stuck there, you're not embracing mm-hmm. the forgiveness and what God has for you after that point. Um, and I think that's an important message for the people that are stuck. For the people that aren't stuck, um, I, I feel like that's where the importance of education about what they really have missed out on or given up by making that choice is. Um, is an important element for them to fully understand that this isn't just because we don't, because you don't do it, but there was plans and meanings behind what God had for them. And by mm-hmm. them taking part in this sin, it has diminished that. It mm-hmm. diminished who God, um, ultimately planned for you to be like, um, that was, uh, kind of this, I was reading about sin and it was saying, um, that yes, Um, sin separates you from God, but sin ultimately stops you from being fully who God has made you to be. And I never really thought about that second part. It was always, well, it just separates me from God and it's bad. But it's like, no, it actually prevents you from who God has fully made you to be. Um, And I think that's the part Mm -hmm. that people that don't feel guilt and shame maybe don't understand or realize. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with
2: that. 100%. 100%. I I think there's got to be some some element element of discipleship discipleship within this, that the closer you are to God, God, the better better that you understand understand the Word, word, the more likely that your barometer, your compass of of, of where where shame, guilt, guilt, and forgiveness come from is closer to what God has for you you, as opposed to what the Word might be saying. This podcast, right? You're know, you know, talking, talking about you wanting know, our, our lives to, to be differently living in the world, world around us. us. If, 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 you're, if, there's if there's something that you should, that, it is, that it is a sin, sin there should, should be an element of shame, shame but culture, of shame, culture is saying it's not, not, then, um, then um, that's probably going to be an area in which you don't struggle. struggle. And, and, and other in other words, words you, don't you don't think it's, is shameful and a sin and that's going to really come against what you begin to learn when you read the Word and you deepen the relationship with God. I think that... We would, we would recommend anyone, anyone at, at any time in your life that you know to, to continue to be in the Word, continue, continue to, have to have a better understanding of of who God is, and what God wants for you. For example, for example, in the area of purity, the Bible is clear about what God, God would want, want. For you to live, but the Bible is also clear on the forgiveness, forgiveness that you mentioned, the grace that we have. And so, knowledge not always isn't always the best thing to overcome or internalize shame and guilt and you know negative patterns of thinking, but. You've got gotta understand to understand that that's, that that's where your understanding comes from. from. That, 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 that Christian, Christian worldview is going to be the one, one that, that guides you closer to God, that gives you the correct frame of mind when comes it comes to, to what is sin, to what is not, to, not, to, to how do you live into that forgiveness.
0: forgiveness. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it is challenging. I mean, you, you talked about it in terms of discipleship. I think there's there's a level of discernment we need. And I think sermons and teaching that we do from up front, it, it, it can help sort of, Set, set the idea of here's what scripture says. But my experience has been, a lot of times it's in the personal conversations. Mm-hmm. We we have an amazing ability to hear something and think, yeah, that's usually true, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Where we, we tend to think we're the exception. So, it, you know, you, you could do an entire, I, I could do a, a big message about divorce and be as clear as I could possibly be. And somebody would wanna come up to me or wanna come up to one of you or, or somebody on staff and say, but my divorce was okay, right? And, and again, possibly it was, but, but that's our instinct. And so I think it is challenging where you know we, we could do an entire series or somebody could listen to all the podcasts that we do in this series on sex and still come up to somebody afterwards and say, but you guys aren't saying that I did something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is to have the courage in those personal conversations to be able to tell the truth to people knowing that that is what is going to lead to the ultimate help. First first of all, it might help them lead them to stop down a road that's going to lead to destruction. But also, I, I just think, man, um, the gospel needs to be central in all we do. So if we're setting an overall context, I think about this with our kids. Like when when Karina and I are disciplining our kids, something that we try to avoid is in just explaining away when they do something wrong and to say, no, what you did was wrong. Like, it was serious, and we still love you. And to have them have that security, that's more security than you didn't really do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. The security that we have before God is we did very wrong things, and God still loves us. So if we have the overall gospel context in all subjects that the reason we're okay is not because we're good boys and girls compared to our friends. It's because we are wiped clean by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Then when I think when it comes to sex, at least we have that context of saying, okay, I can now experience the hard truth that I failed and that there was something that was lost here and that I did wrong, but I know that there's grace to catch me. And I just think on a practical level, and I I just say that this because of my heart for anybody who's listening that is weighed down by shame, I would encourage you Spend some time reading what the scripture says about you as a child of God. Mm -hmm. Spend some time in Romans 8. I mean, man, you will read about how you are a child. You are (laughs) indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You've got the first fruits of your final adoption. All things are being worked for your good. I mean, read the book of Galatians and read about how you're set free from the curse of the law. I mean, read the gospel of John and and the whole idea of, you know, that as many as were appointed to eternal life, they are the children of God. I mean, and, and you may need to do some practicing of fighting against inappropriate shame by just having some ways that you go through scriptures, maybe every day, maybe twice a day, maybe at the beginning and the end of the day, where you are walking through who you are in Christ so that you're shouting down the voice of the accuser who wants to keep you stuck in that shame. That's great. Yeah. That's, yeah. And obviously, there's, there's lots more we could talk about. I, I think this was a, a very fruitful conversation. So thanks to both of you. Um, and we hope to bring this conversation into just a, a continued ongoing thing. And so I, as we look at our Facebook page where we post this and other podcast episodes, please feel free to comment if you have a question, give a suggestion. If you feel like there's something that wasn't covered in here that would be great to cover in a future episode, and maybe talk about how God has walked you through the experience of shame and healing and where you're at in that journey, because we're all a part of that. Um, but thanks so much to Garrett and Lori for being part of this episode. Thank you. Um, Thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you guys next episode.